That's all for announcements. Let me pray, and then I'm going to bring Ben up. I'm sure you're going to pray for yourself too, but uh, let's, let's, let's gather and just ask Jesus to open our hearts to the Word this morning. So Jesus, thank you so much for, uh, for the simple fact that there is a Savior and there is news to tell about Him. And we don't have to stand up here week after week trying to invent creative things to learn, but simply we can focus on you, Jesus, and we can pay attention to you. I pray, Jesus, that awe falls upon us this morning through your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you just bring a greater sense of understanding about what you've actually done for us through Jesus Christ, that this is not something that can be repeated enough, but is great news every time. And so, Jesus, we're asking that you would make it fresh in our minds and in our hearts. I pray you would be with Ben's words, that he would speak clearly, and you would give him wisdom beyond his years, Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity to gather and worship you by listening to your word, Jesus, and we ask that you would open our hearts and soften them to what you want to say to us this morning. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. A round of applause for our intern. Great job. <laughs> Good. Well, good morning. If you don't know me, uh, like Trev said, my name is Ben. I'm the intern here at Urban Grace Church. I'm doing a theology degree, a church ministry degree at Ambrose University here in Calgary. I uh, got some friends out from Ambrose to listen to me preach, which is great. Um, I'm here incubating a call to ministry. Does God want me to plant a church? I was hoping that last time I preached it would go horribly and I'd be off the hook and I'm like not actually going to be a pastor, but it went well and so I'm not off the hook. And so we're going to try again this Sunday and see what happens. So... <laughs> <laughs> so we want to do, Trev and I wanted to do a short Christmas message uh, for you guys today and Christmas Eve. And so we split it into two parts. My job is to preach the first part today. Trev is going to preach the second part Christmas Eve. So you have to come to both services if you want to get the full message. You can't just come to today. Um, the series is titled, Who is Christmas? Uh, it's a question that I'm going to be asking throughout the message today, and I'm going to unpack it for you. And part one... Uh, today uh, is titled Emmanuel, Who He Is. But before I launch into the meat of the message, I want to share with you some facts about Christmas. Um, did you know that in Canada, December 2014, two years ago, approximately $7 billion was spent on every kind of good in the month of December, the big three items in that $7 billion being food and beverage, television and audio equipment, and toys and games, including electronics. Did you know that typical spending increases anywhere from 10 to 185% from the month of November to the month of December in Canada? And did you also know that 167.9 million tons of turkey are produced in Canada annually, with a very large portion of that eaten in December? 5.3 million liters of eggnog was purchased in December 2014, and just over $65 million in artificial trees were imported into Canada just last year. So what's the point? The point is that a lot of stuff occupies us at Christmas time, and we often stress a lot about finding the right gifts for people, about making plans with family, about um, and preparing lots of food. 
And these things aren't bad in of themselves, but when they become the focus of Christmas, when they become the thing that consumes us, when they become the thing that drives us, that's when we get into trouble. What I want to talk about today is that Christmas isn't first and foremost about stuff. Christmas is first and foremost about a person. The question people may often ask is, what is Christmas really all about? But I think the right question is actually, who is Christmas really all about? Now maybe you're wondering, why is it important to talk about who Christmas is really about? It's because Christmas will actually disappoint you if you don't ask the right question. Your family, if you make them the priority, may drive you up the wall. If gifts are your priority, you may get something that you don't really like, or maybe you won't get something that you were really hoping to get. Or maybe you actually just don't even like Christmas at all. But the fact of the matter is that Christmas will let you down in one way or another if you focus on the wrong stuff. But if we turn our focus to the one who Christmas is really about, then we can set our focus on someone who will not disappoint us, who will not let us down, who will not fail us. And that's the kind of hope I want to have this Christmas. And I hope that it's your hope as well to have that this Christmas. So I'm going to spoil the ending for you right now. Spoiler alert, Christmas is about Jesus. And we're going to talk about Jesus today. Now, if you're new to Christianity, you may think, why can Jesus be the focus of Christmas? And why should I put my trust and focus on him instead of on other things? Well, if you're willing to give me your attention for about half an hour, I'm not Trev, I can't do the 50-minute messages, for about half an hour, um, we're going to unpack why Jesus is worth focusing on this Christmas by looking at who he is. We're going to look at four things this morning that are going to talk about what Jesus is, who he is, because when you understand these things, everything about Christmas changes. And when you understand who Jesus is, it puts everything else about Christmas into proper perspective. So like Trev alluded to, I am going to pray. And then I'm going to dive into the text this morning. Uh, So if you'd please bow with me in prayer uh, briefly. Father, I pray that you would uh, take these imperfect words, these simple words, and that you would just anoint them with your Holy Spirit and that you'd minister to each and every person exactly where they need you most this morning, something that only you can do. I pray you'd open the ears and the hearts of the listeners and that you would help me to speak clearly and steadily. In Jesus' name, amen. So the text this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to be going into uh, chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 20 to 25. So just right before this, um, Mary, Jesus' mother, is found to be with child, but she's not actually fully married to Joseph yet. And so Joseph finds out about this, that Mary is actually pregnant uh, before she has been with him. And understandably, Joseph is like, I'm going to have to leave you. But he's very nice about it. He's going to do it quietly. He's going to do it respectfully. um, But God steps in. And that's when the story picks up here in verse 20. So after he, Joseph, had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. 
So who is Christmas? It's Jesus. And let me briefly show you four reasons why Jesus can and should be the focus this Christmas. Number one, Jesus should be the focus of Christmas because he is God. And I'm drawing this from the first verse, Matthew 1, verse 20, which says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So the first reason why I think Jesus should be the focus this Christmas is because he is God. And this point comes right out of our text. If you're new to Christianity, this statement about Jesus might shock you a little bit to say that a human guy was actually God in flesh. Um, the world does say that Jesus was a great man. He was perhaps even a prophet, a wonderful example of how we should live. But the Bible actually goes much farther in its statements about who Jesus Christ is. Jesus is God incarnate, or more simply, God with skin on. So how do we know that Jesus is, in fact, God? Well, we can look at our passage and see that it is God the Holy Spirit who conceives Jesus in Mary's womb. Jesus doesn't actually have a human father. He only truly has a human mother. Mary did not sleep with any man prior to giving birth to Jesus. Jesus' birth was a miracle of the Holy Spirit and unique among all births that have ever taken place on earth. And by extension, Mary and Joseph actually have passive roles in this whole uh, story. It's God who's actually bringing about everything from the angel telling Joseph, stay with Mary, to the Holy Spirit actually conceiving Jesus within Mary. Mary and Joseph are willing instruments, but it's God doing everything behind the scenes. This birth was only possible through a miracle of God, and it points to Jesus' divine nature. The really technical term for what we're talking about, uh, which you'll learn if you take theology like me, is incarnation. And theologians have spent millions of liters of ink trying to understand what exactly the incarnation is. How is it possible that God could become a human? What does that entail? How could this have even happened? The Bible has a lot to say about this event. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, the Apostle John writes that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus, who is the Word, God himself, entered into the world as a human baby. Philippians chapter 2, Paul also says that Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Jesus was, in very nature, God. Jesus, in his very essence, is the same God who created the universe. And this God was willing to enter into the world to be born as a baby. That amazes me. God being born into the world that he created now, here is the part of this point where I would normally use some like awesome illustration to help you understand what the incarnation is, but actually no illustration is actually a great parallel. But what I can do is give you an illustration of what it's not to help you understand what it is. So I want you to imagine, because I wasn't actually able to get these props for this morning, that I have a bowl of soup and that I have a salt shaker. And so I'm going to take this salt shaker and I'm going to dump a whole bunch of salt into the soup, so much to the point that it's like salty beyond belief. The soup can't actually be tasted anymore. It's overpowered by the fact that there's salt in it. All you can get is the salt. 
And I don't want you to think about Jesus Christ like this. It's not like he was so much God that it kind of like overpowered the fact that he was a human. And so he wasn't actually really a human. All you really got was God, like sort of human. Or the other way, where you have so much human that he wasn't actually really God. He was kind of like, sort of like a mini God, not actually fully God, just mostly just a human. Both are actually wrong. He's actually 100% God and 100% human, just like you and me, at the same time. It's amazing. I think Paul in Colossians actually sums this up really well. He says in chapter 2, verse 9, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And further, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus was, Jesus is, and Jesus always will be God Almighty. And that's the first reason why I think he should rightly be the focus this Christmas. The second point I want to draw out, Jesus should be the focus of Christmas because he is human. And I'm drawing this from Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, which says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Who is Christmas? It's Jesus, who is 100% fully God, but it's also important to stress that Jesus is 100% fully human at the same time. Jesus had a human body, a human mind. He did normal human things. He slept, he ate, he laughed, he cried, he got angry. Everything else that humans do, except sin, obviously. He experienced hunger, pain, loss, sorrow, joy, and everything else, right? The text says it plainly. It says that Mary gave birth to a son. Jesus was a human boy, born normally into this world as a crying baby. Mary brought forth Jesus through the normal work, the normal hardship that labor brings. It was a little boy born that night, not a shiny, angelic, halo sort of baby. This was an actual baby. Paul says in Philippians that Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even to death on a cross. Jesus lowered himself to the lowest point imaginable. God Almighty didn't just come into the world as a baby born in a barn at Christmas. He actually went even further in the extremes of humbling himself. And Paul alludes to them here. Let's talk about it briefly. First, Paul says that Jesus made himself nothing. What exactly does that mean? Theologians, like me, who, who are at school, debate endlessly about what it means for Jesus to actually come into the world as a human. We do know he had to limit himself in some ways. God has attributes that are unique only to him. And I'm not going to get into that debate. But the point is, Jesus laid aside some of what was actually rightfully his, things he didn't have to give up, in order to come into the world and live. And that challenges me because I'm not often willing to give up anything that I'm entitled to to serve and love somebody else. 
Jesus was still 100% God in nature, though. It didn't diminish the fact that he was fully the second person of the Trinity when he was on earth. The second thing I want to say is that Jesus humbled himself to the most extreme measure imaginable, an unjust, unfair death in the most humiliating way possible, hanging outside the city, naked and beaten, on a cross like a criminal, hated, abandoned, mocked. Think for a second. Jesus is the same God who is sitting on the throne in heaven receiving endless worship and praise for how awesome he is. He appeared in the burning bush to Moses. He struck Egypt with plagues. He parted the sea. He appeared in smoke and fire to the people of Israel in the desert. The same God. And he decided to lay aside what was rightfully his, to be born as a human baby, and to humble himself to the most humiliating death imaginable on a cross. Why would Jesus do that? Why would God go to such extremes? It's because he loves you. God loves you so much. He loves you so much that nothing could stop him from coming down to earth and pursuing us. Why did he have to pursue us? Well, if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, you'll find that the first humans created, Adam and Eve, messed up. God made a perfect world for them to live in. They enjoyed everything, including relationship with God, perfectly. But, like you and me, they decided to rebel against God. They decided to do their own thing. They decided to question God and not listen to what he said. As a result, there were consequences. And that allowed something called sin to enter into the world. Sin being the evil things that happen in the world. The evil things that we do, the evil things that take place in the world. They entered into the world because we screwed it up. But God said, I'm going to come after you no matter how much you rebel against me. And in love, God set a plan in motion which involved sending Jesus down to earth to live a perfect life, to die that humiliating death on the cross, and to rise again on Easter Sunday so that we would have the chance to be forgiven and to be adopted back into relationship with God and be saved from the consequences and punishment that we rightfully deserve for the mistakes that we make every day. That's why Jesus had to come down as a human. That's why he had to suffer. And that's why he should be the focus this Christmas. Because he came to do something for us that we could never do on our own. He came to save us. Jesus is and always will be 100% human, 100% God. And that's another reason why I think he should be the focus this Christmas. Another illustration that does not actually illustrate the incarnation, but can illustrate what it's not. When I was a kid, I liked to play with paint. And I would often smear the paint all over my hands. So as a kid, sometimes what I would do is I would take, what colors are they? I need to make sure. Um, they are, yes. So I would take some blue paint, and I would take some yellow paint, and I would split my hands together and mix it. And then I would actually discover that I didn't actually have blue and yellow anymore. I had a different color. I had green, because it was a combination of the two things that it had before. It made a third thing. But Jesus isn't like this. Jesus wasn't like, I'm going to take a human, and I'm going to take God, and I'm going to mash them together, and they're going to make some sort of like third thing that's like not really human, not really God, but it's like a God-human sort of thing. Uh-uh. Jesus is 100% human, 100% God at 
the same time. It's not a mix, it's both. So it's a tricky distinction, uh, but it's an important one. And um, yeah, that's it for that illustration. So point number three, not the smoothest transition, but we are making it. <laughs> point number three. So Jesus should be the focus this Christmas because Jesus is the one the Old Testament points to. If you don't know, the Old Testament is the portion of the Bible that comes right before this book. That huge chunk that we don't look in very often, that's the Old Testament. Anyways, Matthew 1 verses 22 to 23 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. If you don't know, uh, this verse that Matthew quotes in the text is from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. It's a great prophetic book in the Old Testament. But in order to understand why Matthew is using this quote and what he means when he says Jesus fulfills this prophecy, we need to go back into the original context, quickly understand what Isaiah was talking about, and then we can understand why Matthew is using the verse this way. So without turning there, what's going on in Isaiah chapter 7? Well, the kingdom of Judah, right? There was a kingdom in the north, Israel. There was a kingdom in the south, Judah. The kingdom of Judah had a king named Ahaz. And Ahaz was not a man of great faith. He actually doubted and tested God. And this man's kingdom of Judah was under threat from everyone around him. At the time, there was an empire called Assyria. And Assyria had the world under their thumb. And the neighboring kingdoms of Israel and Syria wanted Ahaz to form an alliance together to fight back against Assyria. So Ahaz, feeling the pressure from these kings, was also tempted to maybe form a counter-alliance with Assyria. But if he did that, the kingdoms of Israel and Syria would come down and wreck him. But if he allied with Israel and Syria, Assyria would come in and wreck him. And so really, he was wrecked no matter what he did. And so he's understandably a little stressed out. Ahaz and the kingdom of Judah needed to be delivered from their enemies. So God steps in through Isaiah and says, don't be afraid. The threats of your enemies are empty because I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to keep your kingdom safe. And I'm going to keep the line of David safe. God steps in and says, you can trust me or you cannot trust me and get destroyed. Those are your options. But like a good human, Ahaz screws up and doubts God. So God comes in and says, okay, I'm still going to deliver you, and I'm going to give you a sign that is the assurance of my deliverance. And that's where Isaiah 7.14 comes in. God says, through Isaiah, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, a sign of deliverance. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. The birth of a baby boy is the sign, the seal of God's promised deliverance. And God does come through. The neighboring kingdoms of Israel and Syria actually get devastated, but Judah is for a time left safe, and Ahaz is able to put a son on the throne named Hezekiah. Hezekiah likely is the fulfillment of that prophecy in the immediate context. He was the son that was promised of God's deliverance in that time. But as centuries passed, Jews began to look at this passage and see that there's something more than Hezekiah being promised here. 
A little more history for you. Judah eventually does get destroyed. The people are carried away from their land into exile. They do eventually come back, but when they come back, they're constantly under oppression. They're constantly under the thumb of foreign superpowers. And under this oppression, the Jews begin to look for deliverance in the form of a person, in the form of a Messiah. And the Jews looked at passages like Isaiah 7 and go, hey, a yet-to-be-born child is going to come. He's going to usher in the promised golden age for the people of God, an age where Israel will be blessed, the wicked will be judged, no more oppression. God's manifest presence wouldn't return to the temple in Jerusalem. God's manifest presence was going to return in the form of a child. And by the first century, when Jesus comes around, this hope in a Messiah was white hot. Israel was under the thumb of Rome and was desperate for deliverance. People were looking everywhere for a Messiah, like the one promised in Isaiah. Jesus comes on the scene. Can you imagine how excited the Jews must have been when Jesus came to think that God's deliverance was finally coming? And Matthew writes his gospel, inserts the prophecy from Isaiah, and says, it's him. This is your Messiah. This is the one who is the guarantee and promise of God's deliverance. Now, in the present day, they did miss the point. Jesus didn't come as a military conqueror. The point of Isaiah and of Matthew is that God accomplishes his goals through meekness and humility, through hum humiliation and death, not through might. And so they did mistakenly think Jesus was a warrior, but that's another point. The point is that Jesus is indeed the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies like the one in Isaiah. And this Christmas, Jesus can deliver you as well. Have you never trusted in Jesus before? He can deliver you. Do you have something in your life that's really hard? Jesus can deliver you. Trust Jesus with it. And this is the third reason why I think Jesus can and should be our focus this Christmas. He is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He is the guarantee, the sign, the seal of God's deliverance for his people. Jesus is Christmas. The fourth point, the last point, is that Jesus is Emmanuel. The reason Jesus should be the focus this Christmas is because he is Emmanuel. I'll explain briefly. This comes from the text, verses 24 and 25, which say, When Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. With the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel had truly come. The prophecies of old were being fulfilled in that time. When Joseph names Jesus, God's plan is well underway. The Messiah, the Deliverer, had come. And if you look carefully, you'll notice that Matthew repeats twice that his name is Jesus. Remember what I talked about in my last sermon, when, when biblical authors are repeating things? Pay attention. They're important. Jesus, his name, the one who will save his people from their sins. If you haven't heard the name Emmanuel before, it simply just means that God is with us. And Jesus literally was the manifest presence of God 
on earth. If you've ever wondered what it would be like to meet God or hear God or interact with God, you can read in the Gospels. When Jesus is speaking, that is God speaking. And this is really the point I want to leave with you today. The big idea of today's message. Why should Jesus really be the focus of Christmas? It's because Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. Through Jesus, at Christmas, God came to be with us. And if you're a Christian here today, God is with you. And that has implications. And I want to quickly draw four practical implications from the four points that I made today. First, Jesus is God. This means that if you're a Christian today, you have the most powerful being in the universe on your side. He prays for you constantly. He loves you. He's walking right with you through everything that may be going on in your life right now. And he is here to help you. If you're like me and you fail regularly, I want to encourage you to lean on Jesus for your help in everything. After all, Jesus is God and there is nothing that he can't do. All you have to do is ask him, which I'm actually discovering is harder than I think. What do you need to ask God for help with today or heading into this Christmas season? What part of your life needs God's deliverance today? Secondly, Jesus is a human. If you're stressed, tired, or worried this Christmas season, Jesus gets it. Jesus was a human. He experienced everything that we experience today. Maybe you're feeling abandoned or left out this Christmas. Well, all of Jesus' friends deserted him when he was arrested. Jesus suffered by himself, alone. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed this Christmas season. Well, Jesus, before he went to the cross, was so overwhelmed that he actually sweat drops of blood. Maybe this Christmas your family drives you insane. The Pharisees, well, they weren't actually Jesus' family, but he did come for them. They actually rejected and persecuted him and made him so angry on countless occasions. The ones Jesus came for rejected him and hated him. Jesus gets what it's like to have people that you really care about really stress you out. Jesus gets it. And you can lean on him today. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 to 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we were, yet without sin. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This Christmas, if you need help in any way, Jesus can help you. He understands. He is a human. What do you need Jesus' help with this Christmas season? Thirdly, Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises in the Old Testament, and God continues to keep his promises today. The fact that God kept the promises about Jesus can assure you that God will keep his promises today. 
Perhaps for this busy season of Christmas, this promise is particularly helpful. From Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you weary this Christmas? Throw off the yoke of materialism. Throw off the yoke of expectations. Throw off the yoke of worldly, greedy Christmas and put on the yoke that was meant for you, the yoke that is truly made for you, service to, trust in, and love for Jesus Christ. That is a yoke that will not crush you. And lastly, Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. Today, if you're a Christian, you have God with you, and he will never leave you, and he will never stop loving you. If you aren't a Christian here today, Jesus has so much to offer you. He has himself to offer you. If you only come to him and surrender, stop fighting so hard to do things your own way. Come to Jesus, who can offer you the only thing that can truly satisfy you this Christmas, himself. No present, no meal, no relationship will satisfy this Christmas like the true treasure of Christmas will, Jesus Christ. Jesus is Christmas. Jesus is completely deserving and worthy of our love, affection, and focus this Christmas. Jesus is the reason for the season. He is God. He is a human. He is the fulfillment of Old Testament promises, and he is God with us. And because of that, I can say, who is Christmas? It's Jesus. And for that, I say thanks be to God. Amen.